What's going on, everybody? This is People Playing Games, a podcast all about people who make the world of video games awesome. I'm your host, Mike Andronico, and joining me today is a bit of a renaissance man in the world of esports and production. He's done everything from casted Overwatch tournaments and producing events to writing about League and sometimes even playing it. Uh, he's also created esports, which is a thing that we'll definitely talk about a little bit later. His name is Chris, but the internet knows him as Chopsky. So Chopsky, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty great. Work is done for the day. Time to kick back and uh, create some content. You know how it is. Oh, yeah. And speaking of, it seems like you have your hands in so many things. Uh, it's how how hectic are, are the day? How hectic is each day for you? Uh, way more hectic than I would probably like, and definitely way more hectic than my wife would probably like, as well. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's obviously a serious sort of time management thing that needs to happen in the background there. But I make pretty good use of Trello and Google Keep and Google Docs and Discord and Skype and so on and so forth until there are no more programs left to use. It's um, using every single one. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually really good from uh, the point of view of, like, I remember being bored as a kid, and now I don't remember the last time that happened. Like, it's a, it's definitely a very, uh, I guess, mentally fulfilling life. Well, staying busy is awesome when you're, when you're doing stuff that you like. Uh, have you worked on anything especially cool lately? I know you've been casting a lot of Razor Store events, you know, you're always um, doing a lot of cool things in terms of just, you know, live streaming and, and twitch and youtube so yeah what, what have you been working on lately uh so at the moment i've actually been helping out this uh, this new esports org that um it's a bit of a difficult one to wrap your head around but uh long story short it's kind of uh you know like reddit loves to say oh well you know if i own tsm i'd do this and so on and so forth so it's actually a crowdfunded esports platform that uh, kind of works around blockchain and cryptocurrency to actually uh, let people i guess take ownership and buy uh, yeah, buy portions of teams and use them to use that crowd knowledge as well to help kind of guide it. So I've been helping them through, uh, I guess, a lot of the setup and a lot of the challenges around. I mean, it's hard enough setting up an esports org in the first place, let alone uh, a completely new concept. And uh, yeah, actually setting up some tournaments for them that uh, they can help sort of, you know, get in touch with some good players and uh, I guess put on some community events, give people something to talk about. Awesome. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know it's never been done before. So I mean, you know, I guess like most things that have never been done before, no one really hundred percent knows if it's going to work. But bloody oath, we'll give it a shot. Oh, of course. Why the hell not? <laughs> and uh, so we are going to kind of kick things back a little bit uh, with our first segment of the show. It's called First Favorite Worst. We're going to get a little bit of your gaming history here. Uh, so Chris, I want to know the first game you ever played your favorite game of all time and what you think is the worst game you ever played oh this is some tough questions okay uh the <laughs> first game that i remember playing was river raid on the atari 2600 i think mm. i was five years old uh and i just remember sitting in front of my parents tv which seemed huge at the time which i now realize was probably about 30 centimeters and um yeah hearing that sound come out watching my little jet sort of scream down it's you know it's a late bit river uh I just knew that I was onto something. I was like, yep, yeah, I love this. Get me more. Um, favorite game of all time. That's tough. I mean, for sheer mind-blowingness, I've probably got to go with Half-Life 2. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, we waited for it for so long, and it was represented such a massive jump. I mean, you can even go and play that now. 
That game is 14 years old, and it still looks totally fine, plays really well. Uh, you know, I mean, what, to define what favourite means is actually kind of difficult, because, I mean, in terms of pure hour, hours, like League of Legends has obviously got to be number one, but, uh, oh, yeah. in, ter- but in terms of like time investment... But, uh, you know, there are certain games that you just, like, that experience of playing through it for the first time is so impactful that it it sort of changes the way you look at video games. For me, Half-Life 2 was definitely that. It's a great choice. Um, worst game I've ever played. See, that's tough because I tend not to keep playing them. Yeah. Yeah, I, ha- I I struggle, so I did, like, a solo episode back when I started the show, and I kind of turned this on myself, like, you know, I answered all these questions, and I always have a hard time talking about that, because, yeah, I kind of, I tend to just forget about the games I don't like. Hang on, I know how to solve this. This is... <laughs> Are you going through your, uh, this is a Steam, Steam library? This is a Steam library problem. All right. Oh, yeah. Let's look for the Steam. games that are not installed. Your Steam library will answer a lot of questions about you, I feel like. Um, I'm probably actually going to say Call of Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth. Why not? Uh, I mean, I, I love, you know, there's Lovecraftian horror and the, uh, you know, the Elder Gods. There's so much actual, like, really cool lore in there yeah. that uh, that could be really amazing. I think, wow, you know, this game is going to be this investigative kind of thing. We're going to get to go through it. So I'm probably going to, I guess, mildly substitute worst with most disappointing because even though it was kind of old when I picked it up, it just, oh, it just... I don't think that it understands why it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a shame because it's such a really cool concept, just uh, flushed straight down the toilet. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Well, hopefully they make a sequel one day and improve on it. Yeah, well, I mean, stuff like... Uh, I mean, Amnesia, right, proved that games yeah. can be absolutely terrifying. And that, uh, you know, was, this was actually not long after I finished Amnesia, so I'm thinking, yeah, okay, cool, let's get some... Let's get some scary games. No. Let's get some boring <laughs> games when nothing yeah. happens and everyone goes to sleep. <laughs> yeah, they can't all be great. Um, so I want to kind of start at the beginning of your journey. You know, today you're this extremely busy guy. You're, you've got your hands in all these esports projects, these production projects. So when did you first realize you know you want to do these, these sorts of things as a career? Um. I'm actually going to... This is actually a surprisingly long time ago. I was actually still in high school and I didn't really kind of understand what I'd stumbled upon at the time. But um, me and one of my friends had just... Uh, we'd both gotten Doom and we'd dragged... Uh, Doom 2, actually. And we dragged our PCs over to each other's houses and like hooked them directly together with a null modem cable. And we are playing just Doom 2 multiplayer deathmatch just 1v1 on that first map for... Uh, we maxed out the kill count. Like, we just kept going. <laughs> Before we knew it, the actual the sun was coming up. It was 6 o'clock in the morning. We'd actually been at it all night. And we're like, wow, what the hell just happened? Like, yeah. that was amazing. That was such a, I guess, a mind-blowing uh, realization of how... Like, I'd never been engaged in anything even remotely as much as that. Uh, and it wasn't long after that that um, I started. Uh, I mean, Counter Strike Half Life One and Counter Strike came out, uh, so I started 
you know, didn't really kind of understand what I was stumbling upon. We just started organizing lands. You know, we managed to borrow where, borrow a friend's parents' warehouse and, uh, you know, get some sponsorship from lo- some local businesses to get prizes and food and things. And before I knew it, we'd kind of created this ongoing Counter-Strike tournament, which, you know, kind of didn't really exist. And this was in a small town in the middle of nowhere. We managed to get, you know, 100 people into starting into these things. And, I mean, that just seemed like a thing that we were doing. And I guess stuff like this kind of just kept happening until I realized that there was actually something more there. And mm-hmm. that's, um, you know, I'd, you know I, I kind of stayed in, in and around games for a long time, but it wasn't really until I hit League of Legends that uh, one of my friends who actually worked at Riot was like, hey, you should you should try our game. Like, this is a good game and I like it very much. And I kind of didn't really get it at first. I just sort of played the tutorial. I'm like, I don't understand why this is supposed to be fun because I was a massive fan of StarCraft. I played all the Warcraft games up until that. Uh, I was a big fan of, um, you know, Warcraft 3 and Frozen Throne. I was like, why can't I control these minions? This is silly. I used to be able to control all the units. Now I've just got this one dude. This is dumb. Uh, (laughs) It would never take off. No, I didn't get it at all. So I, I put it away and then eventually came back to it maybe a year later and then actually started to play some PvP games and all of a sudden it just clicked and I was there. I was hooked and I started discovering the the local competitions that already existed and just how much it felt like the old lands that we used to run and then seeing this professional scene start up. And I remember being, you know, being a kid and hearing that StarCraft was on TV in Korea and wow, like this was some amazing thing. And all of a sudden I was watching, you know, other Australians professionally playing this game. And I thought like this sort of, yeah, just thought to myself like, this is real and I want it. I want this in my life. And uh, yeah, then, you know, ended up moving to, moving to the US, moving to San Francisco, going to work for Twitch um, and just kind of snowballed from there. Was, was working for Twitch what brought you to the States? Yes. Yeah. The, um, uh, moving to the US is not actually, not actually as easy as uh, people would, would have you think, but, um, being it because I've had a, a long career in IT and technology uh, that mm-hmm. you know, obviously goes hand in hand with games and esports that uh, it was actually reasonably easy to to get a work visa and yeah now I just continue to um, continue to work and go on to find new and interesting projects and you are originally from Australia yes what are kind of some of the big differences between just both living there and living in the states and also just you know, the differences with esports scenes and stuff like that. Well, I mean, one of the interesting things is that I think there's there's some definite cultural shifts in the way that people play games because in every title that I've played across both regions, Australians are more aggressive. <laughs> that you can go <laughs> 10 minutes in a, in a game in NA without someone giving up first blood, but that is happening like two minutes in, in those. They just want to fight you all the time over everything. And, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe that's, uh, it's not the most, I guess, thoughtful style of gameplay, but it's, uh, is, yeah, it's definitely a more balanced aggression. I mean, the other thing that really struggles in Australia is the fact that because it's the size of the US, but, you know, with only about one twelfth, one thirteenth of the, the population, everything is a lot more expensive. So the internet is a lot more expensive because you've got to build out the same area, but, you know, less than 10% of the subscribers in that so i mean there are a lot of technical challenges about actually delivering game servers across 
that larger area. Uh, and then there's that pesky speed of light that means you can't cross the Pacific Ocean in less than about 170 milliseconds. So, um, you know, if a North American team wants to go and, and scrim with someone or, you know, there's maybe some flights a few hours away, but, you know, you're so far removed from that. Uh, you know, the oceanic community kind of exists in this this little island. If, I mean, literally, obviously, but, um, right. uh, you know, from a... Di- Me- from a metaphorical one. A too. metaphorical <laughs> one as well, because they it's not feasible with the kind of ping that they get to actually scrim sort of overseas teams so they end up developing their own little ecosystem their own little play styles and um you know as we saw with uh, i guess in gaming who's um, one of my favorite oceanic teams heading to uh, rift rivals recently that can actually uh, really you know turn some of the other teams on their heads because they're just not expecting the style of gameplay that can can come out from that Interesting. Very, very interesting. So, you know, earlier we kind of touched on some of the projects you're working on. You talked about how busy you are. Do you kind of just elaborate on like what a typical day for you is like these days? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of emailing logistics. Um, I mean, keeping in touch with everyone and like figuring out what's what's on fire the least and mm-hmm. then uh, then what can actually wait because like when you when you're juggling multiple projects you've always got uh the things that uh you know there's a bunch of stuff that takes a really long time to do that you only really need to set in motion but it may take a couple of weeks to actually get done so it's about uh you know there's some just a lot of uh there's a lot of sort of project management so first thing in the morning check trello check google keep figure out what needs to be done today so i kind of you know schedule everything with a, a bunch of different it's almost like triage You've got yeah. stuff that needs to be done today, <laughs> stuff that needs to be done tomorrow, stuff that needs to be done this week, and stuff that needs to be done this month. And you kind of just, it's almost kind of agile project management mm-hmm. uh, way of, of thinking about things. And um, yeah, we'll have a, uh, oh God, I, will, I feel dirty saying this, but we have, um, we have a 9.45 a.m. scrum, a little mm-hmm. stand-up meeting, 15 minutes, just to catch up on everything. And uh, everyone says what they're up to with all the different things. And... That's as much as I hate it. It's really effective for keeping people on track because stuff doesn't get missed. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, if anyone listening to this is thinking about taking on any projects, please get yourself a project manager. Like, just find some friend <laughs> to just keep you on track and just make sure they're doing... They don't even have to do any work outside of that 15 minutes. Uh, but that that is actually a super powerful thing, uh, thing to do. Um, there's usually a couple of hours of software development or coding in there for... Um, you know, for one of various things that's that's happening on the internet, a bunch of chatting to people on Discord and organizing things, and usually maybe setting up for some scrims at night, and uh, just trying to make sure that everyone's on the same page. And if I'm lucky, get home, you know, five thirty-ish, settle down for a couple of games of something, play some League, play some um, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, play a bit of Fortnite. I'm really enjoying Fortnite. Yeah, I uh, I I felt bad pulling you away from it to record this podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but it, the game looks awesome. I, I still need to uh, pick it up. Yeah, uh, it's actually a really clever game. And yeah. I mean, I actually can't tell whether or not I enjoy it for the fact that I'm enjoying the game or for the fact of just how clever the design is. Because um, mm. I think a lot of it, it, the difficulty curve ramps up quite slowly. It's definitely meant to introduce people uh, who perhaps didn't don't normally play a bunch of games like there's elements of mobile gaming in here with uh, you know resource collection while you're not at it there's stuff that happens in game that you set moving and then you can you know quit and go and do something else 
Uh, it, it looks and feels like Borderlands, but, uh, you know, then there's elements of Left 4 Dead. Uh, there's just, you know, and usually when people say, oh, well, it's like blank with blank elements, that's just a kind of, like, cheesy mashup kind of thing. But, right. yeah, the, um, but the design and everything is, is really exquisite. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing how far it can go. I think... Uh, you know, it'll probably have a burst of popularity, but it will sit there as a, as a solid staple for people because it is possible to just jump in for you know, 15, 20 minutes, have a bit of fun, check it out, do some things, maybe spend a little bit of money with the microtransactions and then, you know, forget about it for a couple of days and come back. And unlike, you know, some of the stuff I'd usually play, like, you know, with League, you're locked in for a solid hour with PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds that, like, you, you know, it's a game of milliseconds. You look away for half a second and your game's over. Right, um, right. So there's a whole lot less pressure there. So, uh, yeah, I've you know sorry to get on a rant about this uh, rant this new game. I am not no, employed hey, by Epic Games. I did not receive kickback from Epic Games, <laughs> but uh, you should definitely check that out. Especially since when it comes out now, I'm going to say next month, it will be free to play. That's right. Yeah. So this is this is kind of pre-launch right now. Yeah, they're doing one of those early access things where you can pay to be in the alpha. And um, right. Uh, you know what? I'm happy to I'm happy to spend money on the industry that uh, is so kind as to provide me a living and a whole bunch of entertainment. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll, I definitely need to get my hands on that. Looks awesome. Uh, have you gotten any chicken dinners in Battlegrounds? Uh, I've actually only gotten the one, and it's solo. Um, I I actually used to play a whole bunch of Armor and Daisy. Um, mm. So the idea of like squad based combat is like super ingrained in my in my psyche but that sort of group of friends that i did that with are are in australia so you can't really yeah it's pretty painful to play internationally and i mean the biggest aspect of of player unknowns is uh is basically communication because like if you can mm-hmm. you know then that's why that's why i've got my only win solo is because uh i know what i'm expecting me to do and i can you know use that to uh you know to predict things and you know, go from there. But, you know, there's so much about shot calling and communication that, uh, you know, unless you've got your squad that's actually communicating all on the same page, like, no one can solo carry. Like, you can't 1v100 a game of, of player unknowns. And right. I, I actually really, I actually really dig that because, you know, all of these squads have developed their own communication mechanisms of, like, how they call out targets and whether they call out when to engage and how they designate a shot caller and uh, all of their strategies is um, I actually really like watching player unknown battleground streams almost more mm. than I like playing it because yeah. uh, people play it so differently and uh, yeah the way that they treat the treat the squads and actually use the squad mechanics is is super interesting. Yeah, we streamed it the other day and um, you know obviously I've been keeping up with the game. I haven't played it myself, but that was the first time I really watched an entire match intently and like. I was so captivated by it, and like you said, like I was watching my two co- my two coworkers uh, playing duos and seeing the way they communicated and and pulled off some of the plays that they made was was really awesome. And it's uh, so. it definitely it, there's a whole element of it from a macro level of like risk versus reward of like how much you're willing to commit to something versus uh, you know what you get out of it. The um, and you know that it's something that they're definitely trying to set up for an esports scenario. Uh, they've mm-hmm. opened applications for for their esports program with the custom uh, spectator client, and so on and so forth. So I've got one of those in for the Razor store. So we'll see if um, 
see if we can get our hands on on one of them because I personally would absolutely love to watch PUBG tournaments. I think that would be spectacular. I think it has a ton of potential competitively, so that's it's gonna be awesome to see where that goes. So obviously you seem like you like League of Legends a lot. Mm-hmm. Tweet about it, you write about it. Um, was there ever a point where you were or you were considering maybe playing professionally? Um, actually, not really. Uh, I used to do a lot of mountain biking uh, that actually pretty much completely <laughs> destroyed my right arm. Um, oh. So I have a pretty serious, um, I guess, recurring... Uh, it's, it's, not even a recurring stre- uh, stress injury, uh, but I've been through years of, of treatment for that, and I just can't actually put in the time required to play it without my right arm feeling like it's going to catch on fire and fall off. So, sadly, um, I, while I do enjoy being a League of Legends professional, uh, I, from a play- uh, that will definitely never be from a playing standpoint, just because, mm. like... When you talk to these guys and you meet them and you see the hour commitment that they go through on it, like it's actually just something else. They, um, mm-hmm. you know, the physical and mental requirements of what they put into it is is huge. And you know, I think it's definitely like if you get the opportunity to do it and it seems like a path that's in front of you, um, I think it's worth pursuing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. as long as you, uh, I guess, consider what your future will be and where you're going to go through it like not everyone can be a diarist that um you know ends up coming on on the sh- on the streams a heap and um but uh, not everyone wants to be a streamer after they finish their professional career either like you know right. tier, uh, like the odd one is actually the odd one out there because that's not going to be the answer for everyone else but uh, you know i see a future especially with uh with you lol with the university league and um you know, I think it's only a matter of time until we start seeing, uh, you know, like there are startup incubators in, in Silicon Valley where, you know, startup hopefuls and, and coders and developers with ideas go and live in these, live in their houses pretty cheaply and, uh, you know, all get together. I think it's a matter of time until we start seeing esports incubators for, um, you know, for league and for other, <coughs> pardon me, for other esports where they can go to actually hone their skills and also... Uh, you know, have requirements like getting an education, doing a couple of external uni subjects and, you know, preparing them for whether it's for, for an esports career, whether it's not just playing but hosting, uh, you know, casting, whether it's video editing or production or whatever it is around these things that they love, but to actually set them up for a longer time frame than what they can reasonably compete for. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that's, uh, I think this path that, you know, may have... Um, I may have been sort of cut off by injury, but I think there's a lot of other people that can benefit from having, I guess, a longer career in the industry. Awesome. Um, So you obviously, you know, you're already keeping busy with all the production things you're doing and all your esports work, uh, but you're also a writer. Uh, You've done a lot of writing about league for places like rift herald uh, you have your own site or do a lot of useful how-to guides for stuff like twitch and youtube so uh yeah how how'd you first get into writing and uh you know how big of how big a part of the mix is that stuff today um writing in that uh, in that journalism sense was actually kind of accidental um 
because uh, I mean, my parents actually threw me into music when I was a child. Um, oh, I was yes. I was in Yamaha Method here, seeing play piano when uh, when I was five, and so you know, sometime around the age of fifteen, I picked up a guitar and realized that I could make music that I liked. That bl- act- mm. that that concept blew my mind. I'm like, wait, you mean <laughs> bands aren't just practicing stuff I don't care about? This is amazing. <laughs> so I picked up guitar and started writing songs. Um, so you know, the idea of uh, I guess narrative didn't really come till later. It was always more prose and and uh, mm. lyricism. But once you sort of you know, God, I spent what ten years in, uh, if not more, in in bands, and yeah. then somewhere along the way, that you know, the actual act of you know being in bands and running them and managing them means that you've got to start copywriting and you've got to start writing your press releases and you've got to start writing websites and so on and so forth so it was very much it came from there which led into like a commercial writing kind of deal uh then as i sort of started my own businesses then needed to prevent you know create my own content for that and then uh yeah one day i just when i was it was been last you know, couple of years ago just had some had some thoughts that uh i think i was sitting in a twitch chat I remember this. And uh, Twitch chat was going nuts about the draft. A certain set of champions had been picked and people were not happy about it. And I just facepalmed really hard because they had all entirely missed the point of what had happened. So I was like, all right, I'm <laughs> I'm going to explain to them why they are stupid. And that came, that's sort of started with my first article. I started shopping that around and Rift Herald picked it up and then we went from there. Oh, that's definitely a cool way to find yourself doing journalism. Uh, you actually set me up for my next question because I was going to ask about your music career, your time, you know, in bands. I know you, you know, created this huge network of bands uh, back home, and so did any of that stuff kind of, you know, influence the the esports work that you do today? Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, from a community management standpoint and from a talent management standpoint, like music industry and esports have so much in common because it's both entertainment and performance at the mm-hmm. same time uh there's such there's so many problems that we're seeing in esports in 2017 that we saw in the music industry like 15 years ago and but you know much like esports people tend to age out of it you know you're 25 and people decide oh maybe i guess i'll get a real job and um, right. i'll grow up and have families and so on and so forth so they leave and they take that knowledge with them and then these new scenes pop up and we've got a whole bunch of people now that are relearning the same lessons that, you know, as a, I guess as a society, we learned, you know, over a decade ago. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff there that's, um, I don't know, I think it's just given a good sense of perspective because, uh, and I don't think the more that the scenes mature and like, uh, I mean, it's part of the reason I do still, even despite, you know, living in the US, I like to do a lot of work with the oceanic scenes because uh, working on those developing regions that are really still trying to figure out how to get everything together is much more rewarding when you can, you know, solve the kind of problems that occur in an environment that doesn't have anything nailed down versus something like, you know, the NALCS where, you know, they're, they're pretty solid. They've got that format down. Mm-hmm. super cool and uh this brings me to the most important question of the episode talk to me about esports <laughs> uh well esports are definitely real that's for sure <laughs> um 
So, I mean, to catch anyone up who isn't uh, familiar with this like awful and amazing meme, um, I was on my phone one day and uh, one of my friends, ty- we were just you know, in a group message on Twitter and someone typoed esporks instead of esports. So I was like, ha, that's like a spork, but electronic. This is like email. Ha. So <laughs> sitting there on my phone in, I don't know, some... Forget, forget what I was actually doing, but uh, downloaded a copy of um, Photoshop Mix onto onto my phone, grabbed a copy, grabbed a photo of a spork off uh, off Google Images, and photoshopped the spork over the top of one of the League of Legends champion splash arts, and then sent it to the group message, and everyone laughed. So I did it again, and <laughs> again after that. And then when I got back to a computer, I started doing it in Photoshop on and trying to actually put a bit more effort into it. And just started posting it on Twitter. And that's when I realized, like, this joke is so just not particularly funny that the <laughs> amount of effort that goes into it is what makes it funny. So you, you, take, right. you take the dumb thing and you, you work it to absolute perfection with the best production quality you can find. And that's the joke. So I just kept doing it. And, um, yeah, then one day someone said, hey, you know what, you should post this on Reddit. So mm. And by that stage, I think I had, like, I don't know, 30 or 40 of them. And, you know, when you switch, when you consider that they take, you know, between one and four hours each, it's actually a reasonably significant time effort, time <laughs> investment, which now that, I, now that I say it out loud, seems like a questionable decision, but uh, <laughs> that absolutely blew up. Um, there was something like 500,000 people saw, saw that. And um, yeah, that's sort of when I started to get the attention of Riot and started to get the attention of... Uh, you know, esports publications. Um, that whole meme is arguably what uh, you know. I guess elevated my profile in the US to enough to you know get me sent to Worlds to to cover that, which is actually amazing because you know people joke about. <laughs> you know, my parents always said like, don't spend all that time playing video games. Like you'll you know you can't get a job playing video games. I mean, a that was wrong, but of course, uh, b that. Like people say, like, oh, why stop wasting all that time just making memes? Like, making memes isn't your job. You should just, just get back to making great creating content. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 no, you prove them wrong. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it does actually say, like, on a serious note, it does actually say something very interesting about the state of, uh, I guess, the internet content creation and uh, how things spread. Like, I mean, that was unarguably like a massive shit post but yeah uh, i mean being able to figure out what kind of things can like catch people's attention and and go like that is actually a really serious like business opportunity now and when you actually pull the stats on on those pictures and the reddit threads and so on and so forth it's actually you know it's actually quite amazing so uh you know i found it super easy to actually get a whole bunch more work off the back of the success of being able to see this thing and go, all right, well, here you go, community, enjoy that, yeah. and it has been able to be replicated and like, have, uh, you know, been able to get, yeah, been able to get quite a lot of work off the back of it. So, if you're listening to this at home, kids, study memes, it works out. Yeah, shit posting is worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes, if you do it right. Yeah, uh, but it, I mean, you do have to apply. It. I, you know, this is going to sound really shitty, <laughs> but you do actually have to apply a scientific <laughs> method to it. Like when, um, you know, after I started doing that, I started writing some little pieces of software to track my Reddit posts and see what succeeded and like what was the best time of day to post and what kind of content grabbed people and what didn't. And 
there's actually you know there's there's as much effort and science behind uh behind all of that as you kind of want to apply to it so it's definitely like as much as it uh, i guess can look silly and just go ha ha the man made a joke um <laughs> if you actually you know it's like serious comedians they right. you know they study their craft and they look at audience feedback and um being that all of this stuff happens digitally if you actually study the craft of how people spread content that they like you will actually figure out how to how to make that art uh, and be able to write and create things in a way that makes people want to share it like not just to laugh and go ha that's great and scroll past it how do you make people click that retweet button how to make people click right. the upvote button uh, as an entire science all of itself so uh, i guess shit post with effort is what we're gonna say yeah, ship, yeah. <laughs> it's a great slogan uh, so I was going to ask you what your, you know, kind of your biggest accomplishment uh, in gaming is so far, the one, you know, the one that means the most to you. I mean, is, has there been anything more important than esports? Um, well, I got to say it was uh, a goal of mine. One of the things that we did at Worlds was um, whenever a player had gotten particularly fed in a game, I'd actually present them with a titanium esport uh, in a little <laughs> glass mirrored sort of uh, case that was... It's kind of shiny. I'd really, I really wanted to be able to give one to Faker, but that man is surprisingly hard to find. Oh yeah. Um, but um, I mean, going to Worlds was was obviously, you know, that was something that was a huge thing for me, and it's probably one of my, uh, probably one of the better experiences that I've had. But I mean, it's a kind of a tough split because that's obvious. That's this, you know, super modern thing that's like the absolute pinnacle of competition. But on the other hand, I also kind of i look at what people are doing you know now in 2017 and then i look back at what we were doing in you know in a warehouse as teenagers uh and the seeing the kind of response that we get in a small town in the middle of nowhere and i think you know we actually managed to create something pretty special back there as well yeah so i'm probably i'm probably actually just going to go with an equal split between both of those because we've I mean, on one hand, you have this, you know, the pinnacle of pinnacle of competition. But on the other hand, you've got such an intense and and human connection between all of these people that none of us knew existed. You know, we didn't even know that having lands was like a thing, quote unquote. We just kind of did it. And uh, yeah, I'm still really proud of that, even though, like, I I think I'm still in touch with one person from back then. That was yeah. You know, that was special. That was what set me, set me started on this journey. And I kind of almost thank it for that. Yeah, no, that's, it's amazing. It's amazing to kind of look at then and now and, you know, how much things evolved. And, you know, now that you have all these amazing experiences under your belt, what advice would you give to, you know, people looking to get into esports or just Twitch or YouTube or anything like that? Um this is actually a really difficult one and it is something that I don't know this is something that people ask a lot and the, the actual advice changes for everyone uh but I mean obviously like apply this, this is exactly what I was saying about making memes as apply the scientific method to things uh mm-hmm. you know figure out what you like the hardest bit is knowing what you don't know because like you don't know how to search you don't know to search for the answer to a question if you don't know what the question is um, so when you start out, watch what the experts do and copy it exactly. And then when you start doing that long enough, you'll start to realize why they're doing certain things and perhaps that you've got a better or different way of doing it. Uh, you know, putting in effort is obviously 
a prerequisite. But, I mean, you need to understand that you might not make it, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. Mm. Because all of these things are going to be risky. And even if perhaps, you know, like our lands eventually burned out and died, and I was pretty sad at the time, uh, you know, maybe that's all that you were actually meant to get out of it. And while I don't, you know, subscribe too much to fate or the meaning of things, uh, you know, the what you can take away from experiences is much more than what they seem. Uh, like, you know, to one particular player once famously said, loses improve. But mm -hmm. uh, you could take something away from everything, even if it's that you found something that didn't work. Uh, that's actually still worth doing. So as long as you're frequently analyzing what you're doing, uh, that's going to be enough to sort of at least keep you moving. Uh, and, you know, part of it comes down to luck. Like you've got to be in the right place at the right time. But if you can know, if you can figure out what the right place is, just go there and wait. <laughs> because that's half of the question taken out of the equation. That's great advice. I want to write all these quotes down. Uh, including the ship post with scare, with scare one. <laughs> um, no, but that's great stuff. And I totally agree. Um, yeah, really just a lot of, a lot of perseverance, I think hmm. for, you know, and, and knowing, yeah, like you said, knowing, uh, where the right place to be is and waiting for the right time. So one more question for you, Chris, sure. uh, this is how I usually like to end the show. Uh, I want to know who the people are that inspire you to do the things that you do. Uh, honestly, the, um, the things that I do now, I probably this probably traces all the way back to the first time that I saw OPL and uh, an Oceanic Professional esports. So you know, Rusty, uh, Papa Smithy, even Atlas, Spawn, um, and even Froskeren when when she first joined that cast and and Pastry Time. You know, seeing those guys basically on. I was actually <laughs> I was actually thinking about this last night because as uh, you know, people say like, oh, you know, who are your heroes? Who who do you look up to? But, you know, I was in the music industry. I met people that were in famous bands that I'd looked up to and they were assholes. Like, yeah. I've given up on the concept of having heroes a long time ago. So instead I looked like what, uh, you know, look around you for the, look for the people around you that, uh, that inspire you, that are doing things that you want to do and, uh, and use that to, to train yourself to believe that you can do them as well. So, yeah, definitely that whole... Oceanic, uh, Oceanic professional crew is is definitely what drew me and, and inspired me to, to get to where I am today. So if you're listening, thanks, guys. I really appreciated it. That was beautifully said. Uh, so, yeah, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, before we leave off, uh, are there any shout outs you want to give? Are, are there any uh, you know projects you want people to keep an eye out for? Um, well, obviously, like we do run regular events at the Razor Store in San Francisco. It's the only Razor Store in North America, so uh, that's definitely worth checking out. League of Legends, uh, Hearthstone, Overwatch, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, blah, 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 lots of things. Um, just a good time to come and hang out at the best of times. Uh, definitely shout out to Artea, my partner in crime with, uh, with QPOP. We run a, uh, I don't know going to say, esports data intelligence company together where we do research on what uh, on you know data usage in in esports and how much we can utilize what digital assets are out there um, so I say if you're listening sorry I woke you up last night the website was having problems <laughs> and I really needed you to look at it but um, I always appreciate you buddy don't give up and go back to sleep 
<laughs> Sleep is good. Uh, and where can people follow you on uh, the internet? Um, I am Chopsky on all things. That is with two H's. And um, is actually, this was a drunken friend's typo. He was trying to tell me that he was sorry that he couldn't make it to my birthday party because he got drunk on a bus on the way and then forgot how to get off and then forgot how to operate <laughs> his phone uh, and ended up in, in Ipswich, which is... I mean, hilarious, but uh, yeah, he he mess- he messaged uh, Chopsky instead of Chris. So um, uh, if you just that's globally unique, smash that into any platform. I'm probably there. Twitter Twitch. is that the is that the sorry is that the origin of the the Chopsky name? That is it. That is exactly it. That's that's amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Twitter is the best place to get in touch with me. My DMs are always open. Uh, check out the website at chopsky.tv or uh, Twitch, YouTube basically everything else honestly i forget how many accounts i have on different various things steam steam is also a platform that exists yes it is <laughs> awesome uh well definitely follow chris everywhere he is uh he's got lots of great tweets lots of great content i can i can vouch for that um so yeah thanks thanks again so much for hanging out uh and as always guys this has been people playing games you can follow us at ppg podcast on twitter you can follow me at mike andronico And you could find the podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever service you like will probably be there. So once again, thanks for listening, guys. And as always, keep playing.